Hey, I'm Rick Springfield, and you're listening to the Life Minute Podcast. Rick Springfield is the gift that keeps on giving. At 74, the Grammy-winning singer, songwriter, actor, and best-selling author says he manifests life and what he wants out of it. Luckily for us, what he wants is to just keep doing what he's doing. He's just released his first record in five years, Automatic. 20 power guitar and keyboard-driven pop tracks he wrote, produced, and recorded all on his own. We caught up with Springfield backstage before his New York City stop at the Paramount last month to hear all about it and more. This is a Life Minute with Rick Springfield. Rick Springfield in the house. Tell us about Automatic, your new album, which is awesome, by the way. Oh, thanks. What's the message for you? Enjoy the songs. Uh, they're just kind of memories and thoughts, you know, either that something happened yesterday or something happened 20 years ago. You know, you find inspiration where you can with songs. Uh, and there's a lot more to write about as I get older, too. So it's about God and we lost a couple of friends, and there's a couple of songs on there celebrating the lives of two friends that I lost. Yeah, so as we get older, there's more to write about, really. Yeah, I guess that does happen. The world is gaga, moving to Baja, I can relate. <laughs> yeah, we all want to go to Baja, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I dreamt that automatic, actually, the song. I, I really, uh, not quite sure what it's about. It, uh, I woke up at three in the morning and wrote down this song that I'd had in my head and got up the next day and finished it. It's kind of stream of consciousness stuff. There's a message in there, I just haven't figured it out yet. How does it work for you? Is it mostly stream of consciousness, or do you come up with the music first? And the well, words? there's, yeah, it's, it's inspiration first, you know, which comes from no real, no writer really knows where the inspiration comes from, but then it's just hard work, you know, the sweat of finishing the song. The initial inspiration is a gift if it comes, and uh, so uh, that's the, the joy of writing is really, is, is hoping for that to come, and that doesn't always come, and. Sometimes it comes and it's not so great. And sometimes it comes and it's great. So it, uh, it varies. Yeah. How do you know when it's not so great? Well, you don't. You think every song's great. I think every song is a great song. If I finish it, I think it's a great song. If I don't, then I don't finish it. But the thing about writing is it's absolutely personal and that you're the judge and jury as you're going along as to whether it's working or whether it's not or whether it's you know making sense or has any kind of appeal. So it's just you and I love that process. Sure is you. I mean, you did all the guitars, all the keyboards. Yeah, I did it differently. I would write a song then I'd go in my studio and record it and finish it. Whereas normally I'd write all the songs and then go in and record them all at once. So I did one song, finished it, wrote another song, finished it. So it was easier for me just to play everything rather than keep calling people in. So I just did that. Did you uh, always know you wanted to be a musician when you were younger? No, I wanted to be a DJ first, unfortunately, which is be careful what you wish for. Yeah, so I'm also a DJ on Sirius XM, but not real DJ, I pretend DJ. Music caught me about 11 years old. I knew that I wanted to be involved in that. I was living in England at the time. My dad was in the army and uh, we got shipped over to England and I was there for a couple of years. We had a school fete and there was a kid in a crowded you know, back room and the kid had a guitar across the room and I like, as soon as I saw it, I said, I want to touch that guitar. So I went over to him and, and said, can I hold your guitar? And he gave it to me and, uh, and I could play a couple of notes on it. I said, wow, I can play the guitar. But I was just hitting open strings, you know. But, uh, but so from then on, it was, uh, that's all I wanted to do. Amazing. Were you totally self-taught or did you have any lessons at all? No, I didn't have lessons. Um, just ear trained and, you know, would find 
guys who were better than me and I'd learn from them. And my guitar playing kind of slowed down as far as the learning process when I started writing songs. And every time I'd pick up a guitar, I'd try to write a song rather than trying to play a lick or something, you know. So it, uh, songwriting really took over when I was about 20. Keyboards too, same thing? Oh, well, I actually learned the keyboards from uh, getting a guitar and playing a chord and finding the notes on the piano that matched the notes on the guitar. And so I learned the chords on the piano that way. And you just keep playing and you get better, but I wouldn't really call myself a great piano player at all by any stretch of the imagination, but I can play. <laughs> and that helps with synths and things like that because a lot of it is tweaking and experimenting with all the different sounds rather than just playing like Victor Borg. Uh, what about acting? How did you get into that? I got into acting because my brother was an actor in Australia. And I always had it in the back of my mind, well, if my brother can do it, you know, I, I could do that. But I got into it in between record deals. I was doing nothing and uh, got kicked off Columbia Records in 1973. I wasn't touring and I hadn't, I was just sitting up in my apartment. There was a guy suing me at the time, <laughs> was an ex-manager of mine. And his ex-wife, who was, he was divorcing at the same time, she saw me on the street one time and she said, what are you doing? I said, nothing. She said, why don't you come to acting class with me? So I started going to acting class, just arbitrarily. And it was, uh, it really saved my life because I met the community of actors and fell in with them and I met a guy named Doug Davidson, who's still my best friend. Uh, started dating his sister at the time, actually. And so it was, um, and I met his family. And my mom always said that his family saved my life because I was really lost at that point in America. Finding their family was really what you know, got me back on track again. Did your family see you become famous? Oh, yeah, 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 sure they did. Yeah. My, my dad died just as Jesse's girl was going out of the charts, which was a real yin-yang of life, you know. And, uh, but yeah, my mom toured around Europe with us and came over and lived with us with me and my wife and kids. And she was very, you know, she, she told me, I, she was the one I was always fighting that she said, you gotta do your, you know, I was supposed to be doing homework and I'd be playing my guitar and she'd knock on the bedroom door and say, Richard, do your homework, you know. So I thought she was always pushing me away from music. But now I realize she wasn't, she was just scared. She really wanted me to go for it. And when I had the choice to go back to school after I'd been asked, I'd actually gotten kicked out of school in 11th grade because it just wasn't going at all. And I had a chance to go back to private school and kind of hopefully finish high school. And this guy who was fairly famous in Australia, I was living in Australia at the time, came knocking on my door and asked my parents if I was home, would I like to play in his band? Which, it was a professional band, you know, so I went to my parents and said, what should I do? And they, instead of saying, which I was sure they'd say, you gotta go back to school, you have to have an education. She, they said, what do you wanna do? I said, I wanna play guitar. So I went with this guy and, uh, and we ended actually up in Vietnam in 68, 69, playing for the American troops and getting shot at and rocketed and mortared. And, uh, but it was uh, the start of me being a professional musician, I guess you call it. Yeah. Gosh, you've seen a lot. What's your secret to longevity? How do you keep going? Um, fear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I just love it. I love what I do, and I think that's the most important thing. Is there's nothing I'd rather do. You know, I wouldn't. I don't want to sit on the beach and drink mai tais and retire. You know, if I did that, I'd 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 want to get a band together and go and play. Because I, I, when we go on vacation, I bring a guitar with me, and I'm on the beach, and I'm playing, writing songs, or just playing. And you know, it, I need to 
do something. I, I'm not one of those guys that can just sit still. So um, I love doing it. It keeps me alive. Yeah. What kind of music do you listen to? Like, do you particularly like? I listen to a lot of stuff. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of EDM lately because I love the big kick drum and everything. But uh, I listen, you know, I listen to all the stuff that I loved when I was a kid, the Beatles and and all the 60s uh, English stuff. You know, I have playlists, Jackson Brown, I love Lewis Capaldi of the newer people. Unless they're like a Taylor Swift where they're a phenomenon, it's really hard to kind of pinpoint who's who now because there's no, doesn't seem to be a lot of loyalty. The way I grew up in the music business and the way everybody that I know grew up, you know, you started playing clubs and you worked your way through and you played, you wrote terrible songs and they booed you off stage or they didn't clap and then you got better and better and better and better and you learned your art, you know, and, and it, it became part of you. These, you know, these American Idol kind of things, the way they happen, bang like that, the artist doesn't really have a chance to find out who they are or what kind of music is really in them. They get songs presented to them. And, not, and I see songs now with like 20 writers on them, and I don't know. I mean, I love to see just one person writing a song because I know the song came from them, and that's, it's what, you know, their heart. But you see some of these songs, um, you know, and some of them are great songs. I do, you know, we used to do Roar on stage, so, I, but, you know, with guitar, heavy guitars. I do hear great music. I just, it, it just seems very fractured now to me. Back when I was growing up, it was us versus them. It was the parents versus, you know, you radical kids that loved all this wild music. But now it seems so fractured. You know, so many different types of music, so many judgments, you know, and the whole social media thing where there's so much criticism. And so it's a, it's a different business, very different business. What the writers do now, they'll write a great chorus and then they'll send it around. And if some singer says, yeah, I like that, or producer like that, they'll say, well, you, you can write the verse so you can have your name in the song. But the great part's already written. It's the chorus is already written. And I miss, you know, that's why I love Jackson Brown. You knew when he wrote a line that that came from him. And that was one of the first times I really realized you can put a thought into a line and go, that's, that's what I'm feeling. And it can pull your thoughts together and make life seem clearer for a little while. What about guitarists? Any guitarists that you admire? Yeah, Jeff Beck was my favorite player, um, and Hendrix, of course. Hendrix was amazing on stage, uh, but Be Jeff Beck was just beyond belief. I just—I don't even know what he's doing. I don't know if anybody <laughs> knows. No one—you hear no one copying him because it's, it's just impossible to. David Gilmore and that kind of ilk when there were there were solos in 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 songs. Now I don't. I mean, you don't hear solos in songs anymore, so there's no guitar gods, no new ones anyway, you know. I mean, after Eddie Van Halen, there's really, the rock guitar has gone the way of rock music, you know. There are great bands still. I mean, all the bands that I still like are rock bands, like, you know, Queens of the Stone Age, you know, and the Foo Fighters and bands that are bands. It's not a Broadway show, you know. It's a band up there sweating and, and screaming their way through a set. I love that. But, you know, there's... Uh, there's room for everything. Uh, and tell us about your partnership with Sammy and your cocktail over there. Yes, I, uh, well, I've known Sammy since, you know, uh, I've done everything for you that he wrote. And um, oh, wow. thank you, Sammy. And uh, so yeah. uh, we got together with uh, and created, Be well, he created Beach Bar Rum and I kind of partnered in on it with him. But uh, it's amazing. It's great rum and he knows what he's doing with it all. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, we've got the music thing in common and so it's so uh, it's cool. a very natural kind of thing. Yeah. 
he's another one revered by so many. You guys together make sense. Yeah, he's already <laughs> had a home run with the tequila, so I mean, uh, you know, it, it seemed the right move. All right, so you like a cocktail. What do you make with that? Do you drink that straight up, or do you make cocktails? I, I actually like the Cola Spice, which is a dark rum, and it's amazing. I just have that straight out of the freezer. It's incredible. What's your favorite comfort food? Uh, anything my wife makes. She's an amazing chef. She's the source of me eating well, because she does too, and she loves all that. And so we've gone into it together to, you know, to be healthy together, and uh, we eat very clean. You know, organic, and um, so it's hard on the road too. You know, you'd go to a great restaurant, it's still not like the great food that that you can get at home. So that's a, one of the most difficult things actually is eating on the road. It is. What about workout regimens? You're in great shape. What do you do? Planet Fitness, if I may plug you, the purple purple torture chamber. All right. And we go there and do like an hour every day. Uh, when I'm home, I have a trainer and I have a gym just up the street from me. What about mental wellness? What do you do to decompress? I drink heavily, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, uh, mental wellness, uh, I meditate, has been great for me. I try and be grateful and have gratitude for what's going on in my life. I love being home. Home is very nurturing to me. My family is very nurturing. I hug a dog when I'm down, and uh, you have to constantly monitor it. It's like uh, working out your body. You have to constantly do it. You the thought, dark thoughts will creep in, and uh, you just have to be constantly aware. You guys have been together a long time. We have, yeah. What do you attribute it to? Any tips for that? We work through things. We work through things. We've had a lot, you know, we've, especially because when we started dating, uh, that's when everything started to hit with me. So it was a tornado for both of us, you know, and it was hard enough with just one person, but dealing with a new relationship, it was uh, a lot of blow-ups. And uh, but we've basically knew we were right for each other, even when we just wanted to throw the other one out of hotel window, you know, it was still, you knew after the storm that you would get back together. So we eventually just got to the point where we just, when we start to argue, it's like, I either start laughing, or, okay, this is argument 14B, um, or, you know, you'll take time out and then go away and then come back and go, okay, that was bull, I'm sorry, you know. Yeah, basically, we just never got divorced, I think, is really the key. <laughs> uh, you want to tell us any more about working class DJ? My laughable DJ gig. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it laughable? Because I don't know what I'm doing. When I originally got into it, my manager kept saying, no, you've got to write it out and, and read it and be like professional. And I said, that's not what I do, dude. I just, I'm just going to get up there and have fun, and I'm not going to pretend that I do, or that I like the song even, you know, if I don't like the song. I'll, uh, I'll say it. <laughs> and then playing live, you just finished a tour, the 80s tour. Tell yeah. us a little, how was that? How it was, was amazing, it? yeah. It was, uh, I have an incredible band and, and we love each other and it shows on stage and that translates to the audience. And uh, we went out with some great people, the Hooters. Everybody that we went out with was amazing. Uh, Paul Young from England, Tommy Tutone, who we've kind of taken under our wing, and uh, John Waite and the Tubes we did some shows with. There's really some great people out there coming back to play. That's awesome. And how will tonight, for example, be different? Well, it's a longer show. We have an you know, hour and a half to two hours so we can play. So um, we throw a lot more into it, a lot, of, a lot more songs into it. Some of the deeper cuts and some of the songs we don't have time to get to You know, when we're doing a shorter set with a bunch of other artists. It's all the same kind of energy. We all just love to play live. There's no one that 
is going, oh man, you know, I do, doing this for a paycheck. It's all because we love to play. I hope the audience go away with the uh, feeling that they had a release for a couple hours, you know, and, and peace and joy and uh, we were able to take some deep breaths afterwards and go, that was great, you know, and just find peace for two hours, you know. I mean, that's what I do on stage. I find peace and excitement, you know, on stage. I, uh, it's really hard to be down and worry about what's going on in the world when you're engaged so fully. The ones that engage fully, I think, is they get the most out of it. What does music do for people? Music touches you in places that nothing else does. Not even a movie or, I mean, music can play up here all day long. It can be triggered. It can trigger a moment. A moment can trigger music. It's, it just hits you in a place that you don't fully understand. I don't fully understand either. Why does a melody, there's 12 notes. How is there so many amazing melodies out of 12 notes? You know, like the Ninth Symphony can make me cry and I don't even understand half the words. It hits you and lives in you. Once you bring a song in too, it lives with you and it becomes part of you, become, really does become part of your life. I have songs like that myself that are really meaningful and uh, certainly remind me of certain times in my life and it really does become, you know, it's a cliche, but it really does become a soundtrack to the silly shit you do as, as a human being. Mm. What's something you want to do that you haven't done yet? Yeah, I like to skydive. I haven't done that yet. What does Barbara think about that? <laughs> She's going, no. <laughs> yeah, what do you do when you're not working? I hang out with my family. The one thing with COVID was that we found we really love to be together. You know, it was high and by and high and by for a long time. And then once COVID hit, a friend of mine said, either more divorces or more babies. So uh, we found we really love being together and we hang out a lot now on the off times. I'll, you know, and there'll be, there's writing times when I go away, but I can also write now around the house, which I never used to be able to do. I used to have to kind of lock myself in a room and don't make any noise or anything, but now I can just do it in the middle of my life, which is great. What's something your current self would tell your younger self? Don't trust everybody. <laughs> When I, early on in my career, I thought it was everyone was in for my benefit, you know. A, a, a writer was coming to do a story on me for my benefit. He wanted to help me. I didn't realize that they were more interested in their career and that I was just an adjunct to that. And that's, that's okay. That's normal. That's how it should be. But sometimes you can get yourself in trouble thinking somebody is doing it for the good of you and it's really for their benefit and you can get hurt by it. And so. You know, I mean, everyone has to learn that their own way, but I did learn it. And, you know, you generally end up losing money and friends and all kinds of stuff, you know, if you, if you are unaware of that. So everybody has to go through it. That's really the only thing I'd say is I don't believe everything you hear, I guess. Don't believe everything everyone tells you. Uh, had people try and talk me out of managers and they're terrible, they're doing this, let me do this. And I was, you know, young and, and we're all inexperienced because the first blush of success only happens once, you know, you don't, it doesn't happen a second time because there's only one first time. And so we're all new at it and uh, we can all be swayed by it. So yeah, there's not really much I'd say because it's really a learning process and that's how you grow. Since this is Life Minute, what's your biggest life advice? I'm a big believer in, you know, manifesting what you want. And I've done that since I was 17 when I read a book called Think and Grow Rich, which is not about getting rich. It's about, it's actually more a spiritual book about visualizing and seeing something 
and not just kind of generally wishing, oh, I wish I could do that or something. You focus on what you want. And it's, it's very powerful because it's the only thing that we have that's different from the animals. We can envision a different future for ourselves. And I started then visualizing what I wanted, which was to be in America. I was in Australia in a band and visualized being in America and being successful and a musician. I'd see it every night and I'd you know, meditate on it. And uh, that's very powerful stuff. It's hard to keep up, especially when something doesn't happen right away, but it's not a, okay, I want this to happen by you know, three months or I'm gonna give this, this crap up. But so it's just staying with it and not saying no. And I've had no said a lot of times. Every artist has, has had no said a lot. You know, they, especially when you're your own boss like that, you have no one to answer to. It can get pretty lonely you know, late at night when it's just you and you've heard no for the hundredth time. Whether there is a God or not, or whether there is Jesus or Buddha or whatever, you need a spiritual belief. And I've certainly gone like this with my spirituality and I've seen when it's not been there and how dry and empty I felt and I felt like I was totally on my own. So, so when you do have a spiritual belief, it gives you courage and it gives you, it's not just you when you create something. And even down to like writing a little pop song, it's not just you, it's E equals, e equals MC squared down to a little pop song. It's an inspiration and it's a spiritual something that comes through you. You could ask any writer, any writer, where they got their inspiration for like their most successful whatever and they go, I don't know, it's a, I mean, I knew this person or I had this story in my head, but where'd the story come from? Well, I, this happened in my life, yeah, but where'd the whole story come from? Well, I don't know, I just wrote it, I guess, but it, it comes through you. It, there is hard work of sitting down and actually finishing it, but uh, you know, initial inspiration is still, I think, from the gods and the muse, a big believer in the muse. What about acting? Any more acting plans on the horizon? Yeah, I, I, well, the strike has been on, you know, yeah, so, right. but, uh, you know, actors do other things anyway, because it's very rarely do you go from gig to gig to gig as an actor. So uh, you have to find, you know, something else. So I'm a musician, too. Thank God, right? Because I probably wouldn't be able to interview you right now if you were just an actor. When he's on stage, are, like, women just, like, all over you? Does that ever bother you, Barbara? No, she <laughs> knows where it is, you know, and, uh, and I know where it is, you know, I mean, <laughs> A lot of the fan thing is memories or it's something that's projected on you. I mean, I'm just, you know, a guy and, you know, like Paul McCartney's just a guy, you know. But when I was a kid, he was like, that's what I want to be, a writer, a singer, you know. At first, it's a little, as far as I'm concerned, at first it was a little, whoa, maybe I am cool, you know. <laughs> but then after a little while, you go, no, it's not me. It's not me. No, you know? it's not I, I was walking down the street a year ago and nobody was looking at me, you know. The girls weren't turning going, hey, that's a handsome fellow. So, so it, uh, you know, you realize, I think, eventually you realize it's not about you, it's about them, it's about the fans. And I realized that a couple of years into it that it wasn't about me, that if it was for them, I'd still be playing to three people at a Holiday Inn, you know. Feeling, nothing more than feel, hey, feeling. Nothing more than feel. Hey, I think it has right a little there. bit to do with you. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Keep on going. Keep yep. doing it. Thanks do for your best. gifts, your many, many gifts. You're awesome. To see more of this interview, visit our website, lifeminute.tv. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Life Minute TV.